Hello everyone and welcome to a very special Diwali episode of Masala Takes. If you guys are watching on YouTube, you'll notice that we're all dressed up, we have some candles lit and we have a total vibe going on here. My name is Shri and today we also have my friend Priya who will be joining us for the ride. For those of you who don't celebrate Diwali, it is the celebration of good over evil and the light within all of us. But ironically, Diwali also tends to bring out the good and evil within all of us. So today, I have found a couple of stories from the internet all about Diwali that will be serving the drama, and both of us will be sharing our masala takes. Welcome to Masala Takes, where I share my brown girl takes on stories from the internet and topics related to culture, identity, community, and human dynamics. Before we get started with the stories today, I wanted to introduce my friend Priya. Priya, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes. Hi, everybody. I am Priya. I come from India. I moved to Canada six years, eight years ago, and I've known Trinity six out of the eight years that I've been in Canada. We've uh, we've gone a long way. We've come from knowing each other as um, meeting at a Christmas party and then hanging out together. I remember the very first meeting we had at your house. It was like, oh, we're just going to meet casually. And we ended up, what, until four in the morning? Something like that. We yeah. we had like a safe plan. We actually met through our husbands. That's so true. Yes. We were like, I don't know them at all. Let them come over for dinner. And then... We hit it off and I don't think we've stopped talking since. No, yeah, knock on wood, we've not stopped talking since. And we've seen our life transition from being just a couple, chilling, you know, careless, carefree, actually, to be honest. And now we're all responsible adults with children in our family. I think we talk a lot about like childhood friends, but I think there's something even more special about adult friends who go through all these big, big, huge adult milestones with you. Um, And Priya is one of the few friends... She still calls me on the phone and none of my other friends do that. So I know when I'm driving or when I'm walking, we always have someone to talk to and we always have long drawn conversations about so many things. I think right now parenting is our biggest conversation. And our yes, biggest conversation. Topic. Absolutely. Yeah. I usually call when I'm driving. You know, you grew up in India and I grew up in Canada. Yep. And I don't know if you experienced this, but when um, my mom used to cook, she always used to have a phone in her hand and she would be talking to one of her auntie friends. And I was thinking that the other day when I was cooking and talking to you, I'm like, oh my goodness, we've become a pair of aunties. <laughs> we've become our mothers, right? We've become oh, our mothers. Yes, yes, yes. I, I can, can imagine, imagine that. So shall we get started with the stories? Absolutely. For those of you who haven't tuned into one of these Reddit episodes in the past, all of these conversations and the reactions to the stories are completely candid. There are no scripts. So... This is going to be just us having a conversation and you'll be here for the ride. So story number one. Am I the a-hole for telling my sister-in-law if Diwali is pagan, then so is Halloween? My female 36 brother, male 32, lives in the US. We are from the south of India. He recently married my sister-in-law, female 31 there. She is a US citizen and a Catholic. We haven't met her in person till now. We were supposed to go to their wedding in the USA last year when that which must not be named happened. The vid. You know what we're talking about. Yes, yes. They postponed their wedding to April of this year, but we couldn't go as we were there under full blast of the second wave. Anyhow, we urged them to go ahead with the wedding and we attended via Zoom. They have now planned to visit us in India from mid-October to mid-November. They will be staying in a hotel and attending family get-togethers, including my parents' Diwali lunch on the 4th of November, when they would be introduced to a large part of the extended family. Last week, when we were having a video call, where my sister-in-law told me she is super excited to celebrate Halloween with my kids, female 7 and 5, I told her, sure, 
We can plan a party with some friends and have some spooky themed stuff. She said she wants to dress up and take my girls for some trick or treat as auntie niece time. I told her that in India, no one does that and people would have no clue why you're knocking on their door, let alone have chocolates or sweets ready. What I could do is inform a few neighbors and friends, buy them sweets ahead, and then take her and her kids specifically to those houses. She got a bit irritated and told me to forget about it. I was a bit taken aback, but I dropped it. I started asking about what she would like to wear for the Diwali lunch. It's an important festival for us, and we believe in wearing new clothes that day. She said that she'd wear the same dress she wore for her reception, a short white dress. I told her that in India, white is only worn by widows, though that is now outdated. And wearing new clothes is an important sentiment, and we would like to get her something new as a gift. Maybe an Indian salwar or a sari if she's comfortable, a full-length dress. She would be meeting a lot of elders in our family, and we would like her to dress a little bit conservatively, as they would not be comfortable. She totally blew up and told me that if I'm going to be so pushy, she won't come to the Diwali lunch at all. And if she can't dress up for Halloween, then she won't dress up for a pagan thing. And she said many other things which were just rude about our culture. I was upset as I felt like I had done nothing to warrant such a reaction. I got angry and I told her that if Diwali was pagan, so was Halloween. She cut the call and hasn't spoken to me since. Apparently, she complained to my mother as mom called me and told me that she was our guest and we shouldn't insult her. And she told me to apologize. I feel bad and kind of like the a-hole now. I don't want her first experience of our culture to be sour or to ruin my parents' Diwali. Also, I don't know much about U.S. culture. So am I the a-hole? I have something very important to ask here Okay. this story. Where is the husband? I agree. Like where? I mean, the sister's trying to talk to sister-in-law. And then they have their communication, not communication, likes, dislikes, whatever. They're trying to figure it out. And then the, the, the sister-in-law, the new person in the family, calls the mother. Where is the husband in this whole thing? Like, wait, is he watching TV? Like, he's supposed to be the middleman between his family and his new family. Where is the husband? I don't know. And it's actually shocking to me that... Okay, first of all, this family seems super open-minded, right? Because can yes. you imagine a family who's like, don't worry, you guys go ahead and get married yep. in your short white dress and I'm not going to get involved at yep. all and you're a guest and stay in a hotel when yes. you visit and we're going to... And like the sister is going out of her way to be yes. like, I will buy sweets, deposit them at people's houses, dress up your kids, take them for this yep. thing that we don't celebrate. Like everyone's so nice, first of all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but also, how do you marry somebody of a different culture and not just a different culture like me, like grew yeah. up in Canada, but a different culture like your parents still live in India yeah. and you don't have any idea about the culture. Yeah. I got married to somebody. I'm a Gujarati. My husband's a Tamilian, similar to you guys. And it was a different culture altogether. The language is different. The rituals are different. The tradition is different. And when I moved in, I was like, okay, mm, I have no clue. And my husband was my go-to person. And I was, uh, and he was the one guiding me through everything. And over here, this sister is great. Like you said, she's trying to accommodate everything. She's trying to be like, okay, this is something you want to do. I can help you do that. I mean, she's saying that I'll help trick-or-treating in India. Like, it's a huge thing. Like Nobody does trick-or-treating in India. No, they don't. They don't. And then like you mentioned, in terms of the wedding... They were okay with them getting married and they're like, okay, no problem. We will meet our daughter-in-law when you come to India. Like that's a very modern thing, a forward-thinking family. 
here. Uh, and now when I come to talk about the sister-in-law or the wife, she's getting married to somebody new. So as much as they are accepting her, she has to accept them too, right? Mm-hmm. And it's a different culture. It's a different, it's a whole new different, it's everything, everything's new for her. If she doesn't want to follow anything, it's a different question altogether. But in terms of even learning about the culture, even understanding, okay, what does this mean? Why is this family following this? And okay, you're not, you, you don't need to follow each and everything about it, but maybe some things about it. And one of the big questions was wearing the white dress, short white dress. Like it is a big question about white. Fine, people are now changing. People are accepting white and then now being short. Um, our culture is a little conservative and dresses or other Western dresses are not part of our culture, right? Like we, we have so much, so many colorful things to wear. And I think that when you're celebrating a, a festival with somebody else, you just just run with it, right? Yeah. And I mean, as somebody who, who grew up here, who has been exposed to so many different cultures, I would love to go to a wedding of a different culture yes. and get to dress up in their yes. outfits, right? And I've had, like, I remember for my Arangetram, so when I, you know, kind of learned to dance for a long time, there's something called an Arangetram where yeah. you go on stage and you basically do this long performance solo and it's a really big milestone as an individual, as an artist. And for my Arangetram, I had a bunch of my university friends show up and they were so excited to go shopping and they came over and they borrowed jewelry and they were all dressed up and it kind of was like a fun part to embrace the culture and that was something they did for like an undergrad friend so for your spouse for your partner for someone who you should consider an extended part of your family at the very least um i think that you know dressing up is actually kind of fun by the way i was going to ask you um do you know exactly what the word pagan means and the roots of that should i share a description for everyone yes Okay, so the original pagans were followers of an ancient religion that worshipped several gods, so they were polytheistic. Today, pagan is used to describe someone who doesn't go to a synagogue, church, or mosque. It could be that they worship several gods at once, or that they have no interest in God at all. While this is not an offensive term technically, religious people sometimes use the word pagan as a put-down to describe the unreligious as godless and uncivilized. So the interesting thing about the use of the word pagan is worshipping several gods is actually Hindu, right? So it's not, um, it's not incorrect technically, but because paganism is used as kind of a slur almost, and she's actually referring to somebody who worships several gods, that's a really big insult to her husband's entire religion and upbringing. And even if the husband isn't religious, like... His family is clearly celebrating things that mean something to them religiously. And that's really insulting. The definition of un- pagan, I thought, was just being unreligious or not following a religion. I did not know the alternative uh, definition to pagan was uh, following multiple gods. And yes, when she made that comment on being that I don't want to follow this pagan religion or, or ritual, um, it was definitely being disrespectful to her husband's family's culture. Yeah, it's pretty terrible, actually. It is. There's actually an update to this. I haven't read it fully, so we can see if there's a happy ending or how that went. Um, But before I share that, there was actually a comment that I found, which is not our viewpoint. It's actually someone who knows a lot more about Christian holidays than we do. Um, And this is just something to ponder and think about. And I would love if you guys know more to share your thoughts in the description, because this is something that I'm going to guess is new for both of us. 
I get irritated when the world hates on Americans. I take it personally. But then this dumb stuff happens. The fact that she just assumed that every country everywhere celebrated Halloween is ridiculous. She may as well have asked what you all are doing for Thanksgiving. But to go right ahead and call Diwali pagan because she couldn't celebrate Halloween? Outstanding. I won't pretend I know a single thing about Diwali or Hindu religious observations, but I do know a few things about Christian holidays and observations. So listen here, every single Christian holiday has pagan roots. Christmas, Roman Saturnalia, December 23rd, a celebration of the Roman god Saturn, or Germaic Yule, or the winter solstice, pick one. Easter, what do eggs and bunnies have to do with Easter? Nothing, but they are major symbols of paganism for rebirth and for new life for the goddess Eostre during the spring equinox. Halloween, Celtic pagan ritual of Samhain, Samhain, I'm probably saying that wrong, which was a time of stock taking and possibly sacrifice, which communities observed to prepare for winter. Your sister-in-law is the a-hole and you are not the a-hole. And I think we can both agree... So the sister actually posted an update to this. So I'm going to share that now. But before that, she had a response to a comment that I think is relevant where they confirmed that they don't hate Americans and the sister-in-law was super sweet at the distanced wedding and made a huge effort to involve the family um, and that she's just going to have a conversation with her brother, the invisible husband. There we go. I think it's going to solve a lot of their problems. Let's read the update and see. I just got off the phone with my brother and then my sister-in-law. Apparently, the villain here is my brother, who has been teasing her saying that if she wore a sari, she would look like a mummy and would probably trip and fall. He got an earful for this and has basically told her all scary things about how Indian aunties would judge her, which is not true. They're a bit conservative, but not intolerant. I then asked to speak to sister-in-law and apologized if I sounded pushy. She has been very scared about the visit and was looking for something familiar to hold on to when she was talking about Halloween. She too apologized to me, saying that she was excited about Diwali and sweets. She told me my mom had already spoken to her and explained to her why this is important, and she would love to wear a sari if we can show her how. I told her that we will have a Halloween party with the neighbor's kids, my kids and I, and a few cousins will dress up with her so we can have fun together. Phew. Thanks to all the internet strangers who were supportive as well as critical. The poor girl was just scared. I told her to let us know if we were I told her to let us know if we seemed pushy or obnoxious and we would not take it the wrong way. She told me she would. Dumb brother. There you go. Solves all our problems, right? Uh, but it's uh, it's it's interesting to see or read the post later on saying that the brother was uh, joking with her and uh, putting her in a situation and this created a whole drama, not required. Uh, but good to know that the husband uh, the brother's now stepped in. I'm glad the brother has stepped in, but you know, I actually get a different perspective from this, where I feel like the brother is just covering for his highly intolerant wife, because to insult, like, I think it's one thing to be scared about going to India. Like, sometimes even I get nervous about going because I don't live there and it's a different, completely different place to be. Um, But I think it's one thing to be scared and another thing to call the religion pagan as an insult and to insult the sister and to say she's going to wear a short white dress and to you know like if she was holding on to halloween she should have been super grateful that her sister-in-law was trying really hard to make halloween a thing in a place where nobody celebrates halloween and like i just feel like the brother was like oh my goodness what have you done just blame it all on me a good exit strategy 
That's what it looks like. You're right. It does. I mean, yes, she shouldn't have said things like pagan or she shouldn't have disrespected the family or the culture. The good exit strategies, I think yeah. what it is. It's a good exit strategy. And I think everybody's happy in this whole situation. The brother's like, I'll take the fall. Sister and sister-in-law have have had a conversation. They're fine. Mother's happy. Um, nobody's nervous anymore to come to India and visit the family, I think. And uh, not a great way to break the ice, but it's broken. And they've had their first very um, first fight, maybe? Yeah. Or, dis- or disagreement. Let's use the word disagreement, not a fight. Yeah, I would call it a good first disagreement and they've figured out how to work through it. Welcome to a family. <laughs> <laughs> and quite a lovely one, I should yes. say. Yes, oh yes, absolutely. Quite a lovely one. So when you came to Canada, were you disappointed when you saw how Indian festivals were celebrated? Did you have any expectations that weren't met? Actually, when I came to Canada, I was surprised with the multicultural background that it has. Like, I remember Square One. We used to live in Mississauga before, right? We were like five minutes from here. And uh, the Celebration Square, they did great celebrations. And there were things in Toronto. There were events through the year. Oh, not through the year. Sorry. So there's Navratri that's coming. That's going to, that's celebrated very widely over here. I was surprised to see the number of events for Navratri. Every week, I think since starting since October until maybe like the whole month, uh, Chris um, Diwali, on the other hand, was also uh, celebrated at a large scale. So I think when I moved to Canada, I thought that maybe, you know, we might, might be we might be celebrating Diwali and uh, Navratri in our little family with just the Vinay and I, like my husband and I. But it wasn't the case. Like there's so much there's it's so multicultural here. And I, I like that. Yeah, I'm glad Canada exceeded your expectations. It did. Absolutely did. There was a time, like back in 2009, I had gone to India just with my mom to do some shopping for like dance stuff. And it happened to be over Christmas. And we were staying for the whole trip in Chennai. And I was really sad about missing Christmas here because I love the holiday season in Canada because it's so festive and there's lights and music. And I just like love the whole vibe. And when I went to India, my... Family in India that we were visiting in Chennai, they're very like pro-India supportive. Like you can't say a bad thing about India, which is fine. Sometimes I feel that way about Canada. Uh, Sometimes I feel that way about Canada. So it's fine. But um, I was telling them like, oh, I'm sad I'm missing Christmas. And they were like, oh, my goodness, you guys don't even know how to celebrate things there. You should see Christmas in Chennai. And I was like, oh, okay. And they're like, yeah, yeah, we'll take you to the mall. There's a huge Christmas thing at the mall. It's going to be so much fun. So I went there with an expectation that, oh, maybe there is Christmas in Chennai. Because I was like, this person is saying it. And like, I think it's fine to have a rosy outlook at your country and whatever. But I think it's also good to have a dose of realism to be like, look, this is, this is like not a Christian state. It's Chennai. Maybe it's not the same. But anyways, we went to this mall and there was one sad skinny old Indian man just sitting there dressed up like Santa Claus in this small little Christmas decor and they were like look it's Christmas and I was like oh no (laughs) this is this is not what I expected at all coming from somebody who doesn't so coming from a country back in 2009 that's what six years ago no, no, 2009. 2009. It's what? like 15 years ago. Oh, God. Oh, my God. 2019. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. 15 years ago. Uh, they wouldn't have like having a, a, a man sitting in a, in a Santa Claus outfit in a corner. It's a win. I think. OK, that's me. 
That's you. I, yeah, so right? maybe maybe if I asked you, do you guys celebrate Christmas? You'd be like, absolutely. You should see our mall. Yeah, exactly. That's what I would have said. And when you were explaining the mall, I was like, I'm sure they must have a Christmas tree. And, you know, just one Christmas tree lit up. I didn't expect just the man. I expected a Christmas tree lit up. Oh, there was a, there was a tree next to the man, a small tree. Okay, okay. A man-sized tree. <laughs> a man... <laughs> Yeah, no, I didn't expect that. I expected, okay, in the middle of the mall, like, you know, when you have this central area where people, like, there are events over there, I expected a big Christmas tree smack in the middle of all of that, and that's it. Like, that's it. And I was like, oh, people are walking there, taking their photos and enjoying themselves and saying, oh, this is Christmas. Because it's, uh, it's not, it wasn't as widely celebrated back in the day. And even today, I think the malls are decorated. Uh, I don't believe People celebrate Christmas in terms of going to people's houses and maybe baking sweets or uh, uh, exchanging gifts. But yeah, you were disappointed. Yeah, I was disappointed. I was a lot younger than two. And I was just like, oh my goodness, I'm sold. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I was disappointed. So basically, I guess the, the moral of the story is if you're going to a different country, you should just enjoy what that country has to offer yes. and have no expectations of your experience in your country to present yes. itself. That's, that's right, right? We cannot expect every country in the world to celebrate every occasion. Like Diwali is a very Indian thing. Christmas, on the other hand, is a very Christian Catholic thing. And then you have Eid, which is celebrated by our Muslim friends. So it's not, it's a celebration. And today it's accepted worldwide. Not accepted, sorry. It is celebrated worldwide. And we've come a long way. But it's not necessary that every place you go to will celebrate what you follow. The past couple of years for me have been wild. I've had two major job changes. I started an art business. I even had a baby and went on maternity leave. But through all of that, I managed to keep painting and singing. I even started a podcast. And the thread holding this entire period of my life together has been this Shree's Arts Journal. This journal has specifically curated prompts designed to help all of us be way more intentional with our time and to manifest the future of our dreams. In my journal from four years ago, I had drawn myself sitting on a couch looking at a lake, and today I literally have that exact lake view. In my journal from three years ago, I started to use the goal setting pages to manifest being self-employed and having my own business, Within a few months, I had started my art business, and it happened by chance. In the journal entry I made in my first trimester, I had drawn myself living this maternity life where I could be a mom but still balance creativity and personal fulfillment, and I'm literally living that life today. There are so many specific questions in place to get us really thinking about what we want. I wasn't actively working on any of these goals, but my subconscious was definitely at work because I had written all of these things down. There are also a lot of prompts in place for reflection. I'm not the best personally at celebrating my personal wins, so seeing them all on one page has been really great for self-worth and for motivation. I have never been the most consistent person with journaling outside of my annual journaling period, and one thing I really love about the Shree's Arts Journal is that most of the prompts and the coloring book style affirmation pages are all free-flowing. They're just there when I'm ready to take a moment to look inwards. This journal was made for the busiest of us. There are literally no commitments. And this is the last year this journal will ever be in production. There are a very limited amount of these left, so make sure you check out the link in the description and use the code MASALA for $10 off. Let 2024 be our year of being more mindful and introspective. Again, use the code MASALA, M-A-S-A-L-A, for $10 off. Let's get back to the episode. Next story. Yes. Am I the a-hole for uninviting a guest? 
I moved to a new house and was planning to invite friends over. Not everyone in the group is a close friend, specifically one 32 male, let's call him Sam, did not invite us to their wedding that happened locally, and we, my husband and I, were a bit hurt that we weren't invited. But that was almost two years ago, and my husband asked me to be the bigger person, forget and move on. We also meet him and the wife on other occasions while hanging out with friends as a group, so we're all cordial. He even plays with my infant. Fast forward to this week. I invited our friends via text message on the WhatsApp group chat to hang out on Diwali weekend. Sam promptly responds saying he'll be bringing his parents along. Although I convinced myself to invite him, I was disappointed when he said he's actually coming. I expected him to decline. Anyways, it was tough, but I made my peace with accommodating not just him and his wife, but also his parents. Fast forward to today, as I'm planning food, meals, snacks for the meetup, Sam shares his family's dietary restrictions. Strict vegetarians, no alcohol, meat, eggs, onion, garlic, anything they eat, no rice on Saturdays. And the place we order from can't serve alcohol or have non-vegetarian food cooked in their premises. Oh, wow. This severely limits our plans, and I was not prepared for this, especially on Diwali. I called a mutual friend to vent, and they said he just invited a few friends over to his housewarming two weeks ago. I was super pissed, to say the least. I texted him and uninvited him, saying, Hey Sam, I don't feel good about the fact that you never invited us, ever, for anything in your life, your wedding, your housewarming, or anything, but are prompt to not just accept our Diwali invite, but also self-invited your parents. For the record, I have nothing against your parents. They are sweeter than you have ever been. They even invited us home and you never did. Anyways, please disregard our invite. Am I the a-hole? I find that uh, Sam is just trying to make this person look bad for being vocal about what they want. So he has very quietly un- uninvited them at his wedding and his housewarming. Uh, probably has another group, like a WhatsApp group chat, where they are excluded. Uh, I, I don't know if this person is uh, aware of that. And uh, now this person has invited everybody from the group. And he's just one, he just wants to make everybody, he just wants to make this event very uncomfortable for the original poster. And I think now she's just going to make it. And now it's going to be more about, um, oh, look, she's uninvited me and my family from this event. You know, I never thought of it that way. That's what I think is happening. Because, I mean, uh, he's like a, he's drama. Yeah, he's just playing a game. Yeah. Imagine you invite all of us and I'm like, oh, wait, I'm going to bring my family too. Like, no, we are friends over here. We are, I don't know, making it up. Ten people in this group. We all come and hang out together, and we everybody has family over. You know, who's visiting, not visiting, staying in the in in the in the same city, and they're like, oh no, hey Shanti, thanks for the invite. I'm gonna call my parents over. And by the way, uh, with us, our generation of people, our our age group, we're gonna have somebody maybe twenty, thirty years older than us. So it's gonna be uncomfortable for everybody. Oh wait, on top of that, Shanti, you need to work on my dietary restrictions for my family. That's that's just. That's too much of a request. Yeah, and me being mean. But one thing I've noticed with like Desi people in general, right, is that if their parents are visiting from out of town, they're usually a part of the invite. Like I've invited people many times where they're just like, oh, my mom is in town, so I'm bringing her with me. So do you think that's a cultural thing or? I don't think it's a cultural thing. I think... uh... I don't think it's a cultural thing. I've had my mother here, and at the moment we have my uh, mother-in-law staying with us. Uh, when we get invited to our friends' houses, uh, we don't, unless we know that there are other people of their age group in this event or in this party, 
I don't bring them over. Because I think it's two things. They are uncomfortable because they, they don't know who to talk to and they don't have the same mindset. We're all different. We are, and then we are uncomfortable because we're like, can we say something or should we be mindful of what, we, what is the topic that we're discussing? So I find, um, no, it's not a cultural thing. All right, that's good to know. I was wondering, actually, is it a cultural thing? So I thought you would have good perspective. It's it's not. And to be honest, like even when I've had the conversation with my mother and my mother-in-law even today, and we say we're going somewhere, they will politely say no. And they say the same thing. They're like, you guys are doing your stuff. What do, you, what do we do there? If there's nobody their age, then like, we don't need to come, right? And they understand that too. One thing I actually was pretty impressed by, and you're right, I think it is going to cause problems. I didn't think about that. I was pretty impressed with this person's ability to rescind the invite and set those boundaries because I probably would have complained to everybody I was really close to. You know, my sister would have heard an earful, maybe you on one of my drives. Um, but I don't think I would have rescinded the invite. I think I would have just been complaining. So I really appreciate when other people are able to like set those boundaries in that way because it's something that I am not great at. I'm trying to think what I would have done in this situation. I would have probably... Again, this is a very hypothetical situation. I'm not in this situation, so it's easy for me to say what I would do. But I think I would uh, complain definitely to everybody, maybe. Uh, and then uh, I might just tell him that, hey, I will not, may not be able to accommodate the dietary restrictions of your parents. Like, most welcome to your parents. Your parents are coming over. And I would have been like, bring your own food, if that works. But again, this is a very hypothetical situation. I don't know what I would have done. I probably would have said something similar to be like, it's really hard for me to accommodate. But yeah. We're welcome to bring your own food. But I, you're right. I love the way that she said, okay, you're not invited. But I think that, says, that also sets the fact that, okay, now I've had enough. You've done two things that I'm very upset about. And uh, let's move on. Good riddance to yes. Sam. Yes. All right. Next story. Am I the a-hole for accidentally getting my neighbor arrested for shooting off fireworks at midnight? My neighbor, three houses down, is a big fireworks guy. Every 4th of July, he shoots off tons of them well into the night. For clarification, fireworks are illegal where I live, but obviously, it's the 4th and police aren't going to enforce it. And I've never had a problem with it, so no harm. Okay, this is not a Diwali story. I actually did find a Diwali story on fireworks. I just thought this was more interesting for discussion. Um, and fireworks are a big part of Diwali, so it's a 4th of July story. However, this year, he was apparently planning on some big show for family and friends, so he's been testing off different types of fireworks for the past two weeks. I'm talking stuff that I am certain is illegal to own as a private individual anywhere in the States. Massive firework that you see at fairs and professional shows being set off in residential neighborhoods. The community I live in is mostly elder people and some migrant families who do not speak English very well, but not the type of people who are too keen on calling the authorities. Two nights ago was the final straw for me. It was 12.30 at night when this guy shoots off something that sounded like a freight train, and it exploded right over my house. I saw the sparks come raining down right outside my window, and this fool and his friends just started cheering and hollering like they won the lottery. Called the cops in the morning, and to make a long story short, he got arrested for the fireworks he owned. His wife must have worked out that it was me who called, because she came over and told me through my screen door that I'm a terrible person, and they were just having fun. What a great guy her husband is, and that he might lose his job over this now. It left me thinking that maybe I should have talked to him about it before calling the cops. But he fired that stuff way too low, and if it hit my house or anyone else's, people could have been hurt. I did not intend to get him arrested. I just figured they would ticket him and take the fireworks. Am I the a-hole? 
while you were reading this piece, uh, I was I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, did he talk to his neighbor before calling the authorities? Like, as a good neighbor, I think it's an unspoken rule that you go first and try to resolve it yourself. Try to have the conversation. Being part of a good neighborhood, you know, you want to, you want to, you don't want to burn bridges with your neighbors, right? Like, you are all, all going to live together. So that was my first question. Like, did he go and speak with them before calling the authorities? And I think he did not. I think you're a much better neighbor than I am. Oh, really? You yeah. would have called the authorities? I think so. Before talking to your neighbor? I mean, this seems this seems like relentless amount of fireworks, first of all, right? And I think that, okay, I'm a person who generally avoids direct confrontation. And if it's 4th of July, this is happening in the States. And I think direct confrontation can be a pretty scary thing because you don't know if this person has that many illegal fireworks, what other fire-related substances that they may own. Right? Like, I would be scared for confrontation. But even what I live in a condo, if my next door neighbor was making a lot of noise, I might knock and say, Hey, can you tone it down? It's, you know, 12 30 at night. It's much past a normal time to be making noise in the neighborhood. It's not 4 p.m. Can you please tone it down? Um, But if it was like somebody upstairs or downstairs or like someone was having a dance party upstairs and my baby was trying to sleep or whatever, I would have definitely just called the security and been like, Can you do something about this? I also think that, like, if you play silly games, you win silly prizes. And, like, this neighbor got arrested, which means he must have been doing something illegal enough to get arrested. Yes, I do not. I don't question that. And I don't. I might definitely agree with that, saying that, A, it's Ill- first of all, he said it's illegal to have fireworks in, in the U.S. This guy is still going away, going off with his fireworks. And on top of that... He has fireworks that were supposed to be professionally handled. Maybe this this person who posted it didn't think of it getting arrested, and I think that's what he's saying. Uh, but the but the police thought otherwise. But I don't know. I would have probably let a, left a note saying that hey, your fireworks and it's it's been going on for quite some time. It's not a very it's not the first time. Mm-hmm. So they've been quiet about it for what a few years. Yeah, and they've been and the other people have been getting away with it, right? Yeah. So. Even if, like, I wouldn't you leave a note to somebody? If okay, so you're living in a condo where you can you have somebody who you can call and they can they can take care of this whole situation. We were living in a condo where we didn't have anything actually. To be honest, it was just like a you know you walk in in a fob and get inside. Uh, and we had our upstairs neighbors playing one of the instruments. I think it was a violin or a guitar or something at uh, wee hours. So Vinay actually went upstairs, knocked on their door, and be like, "Hey, can you just keep it low? Because you know it was 10 p.m. or something, and we were trying to sleep." Uh, but yeah, we did that. And, um, I think if I, and maybe if I didn't walk over there, I would have probably left a note on their door saying that, Hey, please be mindful. They would have read it the next day, but I would have at least tried to have some kind of communication with them. No? Yeah, maybe you're right. Okay. I'm not sure how I would have handled it. I feel like you're a lot more thoughtful than I am. So so when these like, I mean, I think, I think it goes both ways because if this person was making noise, even if it was 10 p.m. at night or 9 p.m. at night or whatever, I think it's really different than 1230 at night. Yes. And like, I'm also coming from the perspective that I have a child who does not sleep very well. And, you know, sometimes um, there are these obnoxious like motorcycle car people and they take the sound muffler. I don't know anything about cars, but they take the sound muffler off and they drive around at like 1 a.m. And we live like in a very high floor of a high rise condo and we can hear it so loudly. And sometimes you hear it at 2 a.m. and she shuffles and like literally my heart is like 
like don't wake up because my whole night's going to be ruined. So I can also imagine the frustration if you have like, you know, these kinds of sound and it's not just, it's not just people, right? Like you have to be considerate of the fact that like, you know, there's pets and babies and people who have sound issues where these kinds of things can be really triggering for them. So I don't know. I just feel like if you're not a good neighbor and you pay the price, this doesn't make the person be healed. But I totally see your perspective. Like, I think that's a nice neighborly thing to do. And I like the idea of leaving a note if you don't want like a direct face-to-face confrontation. I was going to add something to this saying that his question, his first question is, is he the a-hole for calling the cops on on his neighbor? No, he's not. Because... He for the safety and security of his family, because the way the fireworks are going off, it's been having, it's been going on for quite some time. Uh, so no, he's not the a-hole for that, because that was the the question that we were trying to answer. It's just that the approach could have been a little different. Maybe the guy, knew, if if somebody would have spoken to him, he wouldn't have done something, and this wouldn't have been the consequences, this extreme consequences of him being arrested and losing a job. It's it, it's a life changing situation, right? Being that's arrested. True. So that's where I am. That's what I wanted to say. So I have a question for you from a Diwali perspective. I visited Delhi around Diwali for the first time in my life um, just a few years ago. And the air quality was like really, really poor. And I think there was multiple things. I think there were some fires and a couple of other reasons. And I know in Canada and in India and in a lot of places around the world, fireworks are being banned, especially for personal use and things like that. Um, But I also have heard the perspective from people that are very close to me, you will know these people that say, no, it's a part of the culture, it's a part of the tradition. So doing fireworks on Diwali is really important and we don't want to give that up. So I wanted to ask where you stood on that. Celebrating with fireworks, I don't know where it started from. Because Diwali is actually about lights. So the idea was you light up well, it's the whole story about Ram killing Ravana and then coming back home. And it's the whole 15 days that... Uh, you have to explain that more in detail. Could be wrong, but this is when I was little and I've heard all these stories was that I think the Sera was where Ram and Ravana had the whole war and Ram killed Ravan. And then he's now returning home. And I think Diwali is celebrated 15 days after for welcoming Ram home. So back in the day, there were no lights. So what did they do? They lit up the whole whole city with dias or little lamps that we that we do today too so i think that is what i know of and what where i paid attention now moving to fireworks i don't know when that happened like when did we transition to fireworks what who is like somebody invented fireworks right that's a good point actually because dias you're right is a traditional thing and for those of you who are unfamiliar with the story that priya just shared Ram, from a mythological perspective, is kind of the symbol of all things good. And Ravan is the symbol of all things evil. So that whole fight of good over evil. And there's different stories, I think, for like different religions and different backgrounds of people who celebrate Diwali. But essentially, it's all about that good winning over the evil, right? And yeah, the light was always a dia, was a fire. So you're correct in in the sense that fireworks are not tradition it's not like the traditional hindu roots of fireworks it was not in the ramayan um but it is definitely something that we do today and i enjoy watching fireworks it's beautiful it's fun i agree with that but i would think from like a pollution sound pollution all of that perspective if you told me today fireworks were banned in this world and you will never see them again a day in your life i'd be like okay that's fine Yes, I fireworks are good when it's professionally handled and it is it gives you a show versus 
imagine at every corner, everybody is bursting fireworks. The danger, the pollution, the noise pollution, it's not safe. It's not safe whatsoever. But India follows that. Uh, everybody wants to celebrate Diwali and now people believe that it's part of the culture. No, I have a question. When did it become part of our culture? That's the bigger question I have. Uh, and then I think it's okay to ban fireworks. The amount of accidents that happen during Diwali because the rocket that is supposed to be pointing upwards tips over, goes somewhere, and then there's a whole fire in the house or somebody's trying to burst, like blow, I mean, do something with a firework and it bursts on their face. Like All of that is dangerous, but you should not be doing it. Like There's safety involved. And even today, when there are fireworks in the neighborhood, I know a lot of dogs just run under the bed. And this is pets that we know we can see in the house. What about the ones who live in the wild? Or even birds on the trees, right? It's, it's really unsafe for everybody and discomfort for everybody. Definitely agree. Fireworks can be banned. It's not the end of the world. Okay, so we have one final story today. It is, am I the a-hole for not attending an important religious festival? I, 19 female, have two extremely religious Hindu parents, and I grew up celebrating Hindu festivals like Diwali, the Festival of Lights, which my family takes as a big deal. In the middle of university, I converted to Christianity, and it's the religion that has truly made me happy until now. However, my family still wants me to continue to attend Hindu festivals. I've told them about me no longer being a part of the religion and how I am not interested in observing holidays in it. My parents had their final straw when I didn't attend a Diwali festival they were holding at their friend's house. They called extremely angry, saying I was being so ignorant and a horrible child, and how could I do that to them? They said that Diwali was extremely important to them, and it hurt that I missed it. Am I the a-hole for that? I will have a question. Which religion does not allow you to celebrate any other festival? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. When I was in undergrad, we had a really close friend who was a part of a very specific subsect of Christianity. And I think the religion is irrelevant here, um, but this was a very deeply religious group to the fact that they didn't even vacation to places that didn't have a church that had their specific sect of Christianity on a Sunday. So like, it was very, very contained. They grew up within their community. They went to a school that only had children from their community. And as a part of their religious upbringing, they were encouraged to not explore or be exposed to any other religions or cultures. And I actually find it kind of interesting because it's like, if you're truly secure in your faith, then you should be able to attend a Hindu festival or a Christian festival or learn about whatever religion you want, and it should not waver your faith. So it was a fear-based thing to be like, oh, we don't want anybody to learn about anything else and then confuse what we have indoctrinated them with pretty much. And what ended up happening was this girl joined this program that we were all in. It was an extremely diverse program. I still have friends from that program. We're a very diverse bunch of people, all different religions, all different colors. And she was really conflicted. Her family and friends would like, outwardly openly judge us for being different culture and she actually admitted one she's like I had to have a talk with my priest to be like how can I like these people when I know they're all going to hell and like the the friendship eventually dissipated because I mean obviously as you get older and she moved back home and she kind of got more into the to the religion and it became a little bit harder but 
yeah, like I have seen sects of certain religions where they're like, you should not even be exposed. Yes, and I think that comes from, like you said, insecurity. You should be comfortable enough to, comfortable with your own religion, have the faith in your own religion, and then also be open to other religion. Like, why disrespect anything else? Why, any other religion? Uh, if I follow something else, why are you disrespecting what I follow and, and expecting me to respect what you follow? It, it doesn't work that way. Yeah, and actually the Diwali that I celebrated, and I know that this isn't the case for all families, but like, very, very small part of it was religious. It was mostly about food, family, decorations. Like, it was about community. And to say like, oh, I'm a part of a different religion, so I'm going to, like, I'm not going to be a part of this community seems like a really big stretch. I kind of get why the parents are like, uh, what's going on here? I agree, I agree. And it's not like she doesn't know anything about her previous religion. She's become, she's changed, she's converted to Christianity from Hinduism, but she was a Hindu for X amount of time. And she knows. She's seen the family celebrate. So she knows she, she knows the other side of it too. So why not? When we travel, and I'm sure you've experienced this too, especially when you go to Europe and places like that, that are traditionally, there's a lot of Christianity and Catholicism. I've been to a lot of churches, a lot. Like sometimes they're just to admire the architecture. And I've stayed in the churches too for services. And one of my closest friends in undergrad was, was a Christian. I mean, she's still a Christian. She. She's still one of my closest friends. Um, but when she used to live here, we used to go to mass every Christmas together. And it's not like I was like, oh, I'm here in mass to convert to Christianity. I was just there as like an exposure and a learning experience. And I had a really nice time with my friend and I got to learn a little bit more about her, which was not a bad thing. Yeah, exactly. I did the same thing. I have friends who are Christians. I've gone to masses. I have friends who are Muslims. I have gone for their fast breaking during Ramadan. I have celebrated Eid with them. Um, I have come to another culture, like my husband, he celebrates Vishu in April. I had no clue about it, but I celebrated with them, right? And we celebrate Diwali together. It's just, you just want to be part of a friend, family group and celebrate joys that bring to each of their communities. Like, I don't see not being able, not going and saying like, no, I'm not going to come here and not celebrate at all. Yeah, and I, and I think that if any point your religion or something like that becomes the only part of your identity to be like, I'm not going to have this experience because I'm Hindu. Or I'm not going to have that experience because I'm Hindu. Once that becomes a part of your identity in such a big way, that's maybe you should like reconsider why you are so extreme in your thinking. And, you know, yes, which she's clearly not doing. Like something, no. there's a gap somewhere. Like what you said is what we see and what we what we believe in. Like let's say suddenly I'm like, oh my God, I'm, I'm 100% Hindu and I don't want to follow anything else. I should start questioning why am I doing that? But not everybody has that internal voice asking them to be, to be more mindful or considerate or question that, hey, is this, am I being extreme? Not being extreme? Uh, not everybody has that. So I think we both have a very similar view on this, yes. that this person... Maybe not an a-hole, but she definitely needs to do a little bit of self-reflecting and probably just attend Diwali. It's one day. She'll be fine. And she's done it. She's done it for all these years. Like, I, she's coming for the sweets and the snacks. Oh, my God. They're so amazing, right? Exactly. Come eat the food. Exactly. Go home. Do that. Um, there's actually a couple of the top comments here disagree with us. Oh, wow. So I'm going to share these perspectives and then we can see if we change our minds a little bit. Okay, so... One of them says, I'm just sharing excerpts just so we're not repeating ourselves, but one of them says, 
you have the right to partake in religion as you see fit. Others forcing their religion down your throat is toxic outright. I get that your parents might have really wished for you to be a part of their celebrations and that it hurts them for you to not be there. They too should have a right to respectfully express and convey their feelings. Perhaps it would help to have a heart-to-heart with them and explain that you don't feel comfortable partaking in such religious activities. Hear them out on their take on the matter and see if you can work something out that you can both feel okay with. I don't know what to say to this. I, I Like, I can't even understand the conversation. I'm thinking, I'm going to my parents and be like, hey, I don't want to celebrate Diwali because of because I've changed my religion and I'm Christian and I am, what are you going to say? Yeah, I'm I'm curious too, like, is the compromise, maybe there's a compromise where it's like, I'll come and just eat and then I'll go home before the puja. Sure. Okay, that works. I think we're both imagining a, a set of Desi parents in front of us and they're both going to be like, what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Or even like, let's reverse it and say that maybe our children came to us and said, hey, mom, not doing this. I don't know. I just like my imagination is I agree. Maybe just have the food and snacks. Come meet everybody. And when we do the puja, you can go home. And if the, if you make if you're uncomfortable with that, you don't have to partake in it. I think if my child came to me with a question like that, I'd probably try to find a compromise. And I would also probably try to explain to my daughter to be like, look, if you attend a one hour puja, you can still be Christian. Nobody's stopping you. Yes, like nobody's questioning your faith. Nobody's, uh, nobody's saying that, oh, you've attained a puja and you're no longer Christian or whichever other religion that she's chosen. Again, and I think our mindset is different and which is why we're not able to find out what the conversation's going to be like. For us, it's like, no, it's fine. You're just sitting there being part of the culture, the community, the, like it's your parents. It's not even your friends. I think maybe our relationship with our religions is such that we're okay to sit in a church for a couple of hours or sit in a, you know, gurdwara for a couple of hours. Like none of these things would change the way we go about life and our way of life and our thought process. So I think we're just coming from that perspective where it's very hard for us to see that it could be really uncomfortable. And you know, the interesting thing is a lot of the top comments here go against what we're saying. So there's, so there's clearly a, a strong faction of people that don't agree with our thought process. And I'm interested, right? Like the whole point of this podcast is to open this dialogue. So if you have a different perspective, we would love to hear it. Like we're here to learn and be open-minded so that one day when our kids come to us with these kinds of dilemmas, we can be a little bit more mindful and thoughtful in our response. So let us know what you think. Um, The third highest comment also went against what we said. So it was only the top comment that agreed with what we said. But the third highest comment says, I would say you are not the a-hole. My parents are still Christian. My sister and I are pagan. We now know what that means. For Easter, I sucked it up and visited my parents. My sister didn't. Neither of us were the a-hole for how we went about it. I, I, I'm out of words for this one. I'm sorry. Like, I don't understand. I mean, it's okay for not attending something. It's okay for attending something. But I don't see a religious point of it, a religious point of view on this saying that, oh, because I'm sister religion, I'm not going to attend your religion. So I have a hypothetical question for you. If this daughter asked her mom to attend the church, like I'm just thinking like traditional Desi parents and said, you have to attend church with me for Christmas or whatever, right? Um, How would the mom respond, do you think? Like, do you think the mom would be open-minded? 
Or would you be open-minded as a mom? I mean, I think we would be open-minded. We would be open-minded, yes. Yeah. I mean, so if I think about myself in this situation and I see that, okay, my daughter has a different avenue and she's going else, she's 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 figuring out something else for herself, I'm here for supporting you because, you know, whatever decision you make, I'm here for you. Uh, you tell me come to the church with you? Sure, I'll come to the church with you. I will learn what you are doing. And I don't see anything wrong with this but again i think uh i think the parents are also very religious uh in our um in the topic that we were t- we were discussing so they i don't know maybe this is a, this is a tough one yeah it could be it could be an extreme a more extreme form of a hindu function that maybe we are used to for diwali right like if this was a big puja temple event um and i'm wondering like would it go both ways and if it doesn't then yeah, maybe this girl has a right to yeah. be like, look, I've converted to Christianity three years ago. You haven't taken any interest in it. You haven't shown up to church. You haven't asked me any questions. And now you still want me to show up for Diwali and now it's feeling like a lot. So I guess maybe that's where the conversation comes into play and we have to empathize with this girl to some degree. I agree. I agree. If that's the case and if that's what she's saying that, okay, I've done this and you've never participated in my, uh, in my decision, then why should I do in yours? Yes, it's, it's a two-way street. So maybe that's what's there. Maybe we need more context. So so the overall rating on that last story was actually not the a-hole. So I guess our original take was a little bit controversial, but I think we can agree there might be some nuances to the story that we're not fully aware of. I think we jumped into it too fast. I know, we were like so passionate. Yeah, so passionate. All right, we have one final story for today. I know, I think I said the last one was the final story, but yeah. we actually have one more. Um, so I'm going to read this one. It says... Am I the a-hole for going to a party while my boyfriend was crying? I, 20 female, and my boyfriend, 20 male, study in the same college but are from different schools. We went back home for the festive season. The festival Diwali is pretty big in our culture, but he doesn't celebrate it because his grandfather passed away two years ago on Diwali. He was pretty close to his grandfather, so it was a tough time for him. Anyways, I was invited to a party with all of my school friends and I've been extremely excited to meet all of them again after months. He knows this. Anyways, two hours before I left for the party, he started talking about his grandfather and the death. I listened and helped him for a bit, but then my parents called me to change for the party. I told my parents that I didn't feel like going and they refused because they were also going out for a party and they wouldn't leave me alone in the house. I fought with my parents for quite a bit, which I feel horrible about because it was also my mom's birthday, but I didn't want to leave him. Then I got into the car to go to my friend's house because I was going to the venue with him. It's on the other side of town. We were joined by another friend too, and I hadn't seen them in ages. Regardless, I had to consistently be on my phone texting my boyfriend because he was extremely mad that I was leaving him alone and he was giving me trouble for it. I told him I'd call him once I reached the party, but he didn't let me go offline, saying that I should be there for him. My phone's battery drained to 20%. I told him I couldn't let it drain completely because my parents were going to pick me up. I got to the party and I told my friends I had a meeting and sat outside on the road for 15 minutes on a call with my boyfriend. In this time, my battery went to 7% and I had to cut the call. I texted him periodically, but not for long because I couldn't let my phone switch off. No one had a charger. Today, he called me insensitive for not checking up on him and calling him from someone else's phone and for having fun at this party instead. I understand it's a tough time for him, but it's not unfair for him to call me insensitive after everything I did throughout the night. So am I the a-hole? She did a lot. She did a lot. Uh, Grieving about something? I'm not not going to... denying that and i am not going to i'm not going to say anything about that like yes that is a very genuine feeling it is something that takes 
different t- amount of time for different people. Uh, but what this girlfriend actually did is went way out of her way, talked to him, maybe changed her plans, talked to him even after she was at the party. Her phone battery died. She 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 did everything that she could in her power to make her boyfriend feel comfortable. And then and then he said that he's insensitive. I don't think he's even considering what all she's done for him. Yeah, I agree on the grieving. I think this boyfriend needs probably some grief therapy. And you can actually get specific grief therapy. There are therapists that specifically specialize in grief. And grief counseling might be a good idea because if two years after the fact, if you can't allow someone who didn't actually have a relationship with your grandfather, right? Like, regardless of your grieving, you can recognize your girlfriend didn't have a relationship with your grandfather to go to a party on Diwali on her mom's birthday, right? I think that you're probably asking too much out of the people around you who are not necessarily related to your grief. And maybe some other coping mechanisms might be helpful. Um, And yeah, I think that this girlfriend tried to be as supportive as possible. And I also think that it's fair. She's 20 years old. It's Diwali. She doesn't live where her parents live. She's gone back to celebrate this festival. And she kind of has a right to go to a party if she wanted to. Yes, she, if she wants to do anything, she has a right to do it and to be around when you're feeling low for something that you are dealing with and expecting them to leave everything. I agree. There's actually a tradition in, I mean, South Indian culture. I'm not sure if it is true for different cultures, but if someone in the immediate family or close to you passes away, so for one year after that, you're not supposed to celebrate any major functions at home. And the reason for that, the original reason from what I've understood, and I would love to hear more if you have more perspectives, but um, it was that they want the soul to be set free. And if you're celebrating all these functions, it kind of, the soul might want to, you know, come back and hang out on earth. So in order to let the soul free, you kind of live one year in peace. And then, you know, they don't want to visit Diwali at your house like they used to. Um, But I get, again, I think it's interesting because often the expectation is that even if you don't know the person, you haven't lived in the same place as the person, that person hasn't in, attended any of your events, the expectation is still that you don't celebrate them. And I think that's a big expectation to put on fairly distant family, if you know what I mean. Um, but yeah, this is like a girlfriend who doesn't even know the person at all. Like it's, I can debate, oh, you know, my, whatever, my grandfather passed away, but he's never attended something in my house, so I should be able to celebrate Diwali. I can debate that and whatever, but I still knew my grandfather. He's still my grandfather. But if this was like, you know, I was dating Arjun and it was 10 years ago and I was 20 years old and he's like, you're not allowed to celebrate Diwali. I'd be like, ah, uh, that's kind of a lot. Like, do you have a mom to speak to? I agree. I agree. And uh, when you mentioned about the one year, I know uh, many cultures in many cultures in India follow that, that they don't celebrate anything for one year. And I didn't know the reason behind was uh, departing the departing soul. But uh, I also know that a lot of cultures or I don't know if it's all, a lot of cultures, but at least my family, for that matter, we don't follow one year. We have a set maybe like three months or six months, but we don't uh, we don't follow the whole year. And it's okay to follow the year that is comfortable with your family, but expecting somebody else from outside because you're in a relationship, boyfriend, girlfriend, not even married, to expect them to partake in something that you follow is not fair. It's not fair. I I think we can both agree that 
none of them are a-holes. I think one of them just needs to maybe find some different avenues to deal with their grief, which is absolutely valid. Like you're allowed to grieve as long as you want to grieve, however you want to grieve. And I don't think this, this girl was the a-hole for going to the party. She should have actually been able to go. She should have been able to go to the party and put her phone away if she wanted to and said, you know what? Like, I know you're going through a lot. I'm going to be home by 10. Why don't I get on a video call with you at 11 and we can stay up all night and share beautiful memories of your grandfather. I think even that would have been doing a lot. But I think this girlfriend truly went above and beyond. She did. I agree. She absolutely did go above and beyond. There was one comment that said something. I didn't really see this, but I'm, I'm wondering if you noticed something I didn't. But it says, your parents are overbearing AF, but Diwali is an important celebration for them. So I think that the parents are overbearing in the sense that like, if she wanted to stay home alone as an adult who's old enough to be in university, who lives in a different state, she probably should have been able to stay home alone. But I kind of got the sense that she also wanted to go to the party. I got the sense that she wanted to go to the party. And I also, it wasn't it her mother's birthday too? Yes. Now I'm trying to think. Again, context. Did the parents know that she was staying home because of her boyfriend? Or did she, did, do the parents think that she wanted to stay home because she wanted to stay home on her own? That's true. And if the, conversa- if the communication was not clear or I feel that maybe they had the conversation as the daughter and the parents saying that oh yeah 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 pick me up on Diwali day and we'll celebrate do 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 da 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 and they had a whole plan and then suddenly out of nowhere mom I'm not coming I want to stay at home so in that situation parents are like no we had already decided you come maybe they were taken by shock saying that what really happened maybe she it's not she it's let's just bring her out of the house and see what's happened and figure out like break the ice if there's something else like I don't I don't know if they know that she's she was staying home because of her boyfriend or whether she was staying home because something else was going on and I feel the parent might think that oh maybe something else is going on and you know let me let us see if she wants to come out and you know cheer her up find out if there's something else and we can help yeah that's true the parents could have actually just been really supportive to be like oh she suddenly changed her mind she's healthy it seems Let's just get her out. It's Diwali. She loves Diwali. She's going to visit all her friends. She wanted to do that anyways. Yeah, so I think that, I agree. I think calling the parents overbearing AF was probably a stretch given the lack of context. Um, It's possible, but I'm not sure if that's the case for this particular story anyways. The, 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 The way that I'm looking at it is no, because if my child tells me that, like, we're planning for such a long time and then she, on the last minute, she's like, I don't want to go, I'll be worried as a parent like what happened what changed is there something bothering you did something happen she's 20 years old so she's in university did something happen in university did something happen at work like is there something bothering you that you want to stay alone on a Diwali festival that you like on on my birthday which we usually celebrate together this is what this is where my thought process would have been as a parent maybe that's what was happening or maybe or this is how I see it yeah I think I agree with you anyways those are all of the stories for today I guess if there were some high-level takeaways on our celebration of good over evil is that the whole conversation of good and bad and right and wrong and a-hole and not the a-hole are fairly nuanced and um, it's not black and white and that we all have a little bit of good and a little bit of bad in all of us and I guess this is the time of year to remind ourselves to not be the a-hole and let the light in all of us shine. Everybody's emotional. And everybody has their, has the right to be emotional in a good, bad, happy, sad, every emotion. But when it's, it's the festive season now, enjoy it. We wish all of you a very, very happy Diwali. 
and everybody have a great festive season. We will see you next week with another episode of Masala Takes. Bye. Bye.